We are called to remember the blood of Jesus in the new covenant. The Passover meal would feature several cups of wine, each having a different title. And the cup that Jesus referred to was known as the cup of redemption. It was a reminder to the Jews their redemption from slavery in Egypt. And as we remember his blood shed for our sins, we are reminded of the redemption of our slavery from sin in the world. Welcome to Under the Fig Tree. Under the Fig Tree is a verse-by-verse study taught by Pastor Jeff Figs of Calvary Chapel of Greeley. We are currently studying through the New Testament book of 1 Corinthians. Here's Pastor Jeff. Paul shared with them what the Lord showed him and taught him. And if we want to be effective in ministering and sharing and, and teaching others, Dads, whether it's to your kids or to your spouse, whether it's to people that live next to you or work alongside of you, whoever it might be, those that you're discipling and ministering to, you you need to remember this, that you will not be able to share with them if you are not receiving from the Lord. And the order that God works is this, that he will share with you as you seek him, as you search out the word, as you're taking in the word, and the things that he shows you through the word and the working of the spirit in your life, then you will be able to share with others what has been delivered unto you by the Lord. But here's the thing, if you are not in the word, you're not in prayer, you're not going to the Lord, you're not seeking the things of the Lord, then you are not going to have a lot to share with others. We see this in the book of Exodus. In Exodus chapter 32, after Moses was there on the mountain receiving from the Lord the law, receiving the, the instructions for the tabernacle, he had received so much from the Lord, but yet the people were sinning down below. And so Moses went down and he dealt with all of that. And and we see that as we go through the book of Exodus. And then after that incident, after they sinned and making that golden calf, and, and the Lord did not destroy his people, he would say to Moses, Moses, now therefore, go ahead and lead the people. Go lead the people to the place which I have spoken to you. Lead them to the place which I have spoken to you, Moses. And Moses was able to lead the people of God because he had heard from the Lord. So fathers, mothers, parents, grandparents, whoever you may be, you who are working with others, you who are desiring to minister to others, if you want to, dads, lead your families. If you want to minister to others in discipling them, in the things of the Lord, then you need to be hearing from the Lord. And what he has showed you, then you can teach others. And as you spend time with him and receive from him, then you're going to be able to share that with others. Does that make sense? And you see, in a lot of ways, that's not taking place. So an honest evaluation for all of us this morning, including myself. We can go to the Lord and say, Lord, 
you know what, am I lacking in this area and being able to minister to others because really I'm not hearing from you. And if you're not hearing from the Lord, you're not going to be effective in ministering that to others. That's why I stress upon you the importance of having devotions and continuing in the Word of God and being sensitive to the leading of the Lord. And then as you are taking those things in, I'm able to share that with my kids. I'm able to share that with my other family members. I'm able to share that with you. And that's one of the principles that the Lord has shown me over and over and over again that he doesn't want me to forget, and I don't think he wants you to forget that either. You keep in the word of God. You keep hearing the voice of the Lord as you go to him because he desires to speak to you. And be sensitive to the leading of the Lord. And as you're taking in those things and growing in the things of God, you're going to be able to share with others some very wonderful things. And you are going to be leading others as the Lord begins to minister to you. You will receive from him, and then you will be able to share and lead others. So Paul continues again in verse 23. He said that the Lord Jesus, on the same night in which he was betrayed, took bread. And when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, Take ye, this is my body which is broken for you. Do this in remembrance of me. And in the same manner, he also took the cup after supper, saying, This cup is a new covenant in my blood. This do as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death till he comes. So these are familiar words to us, aren't they? We are to partake of the Lord's Supper, often called the Eucharist, which means given thanks. And indeed, as we come to the Lord's table, as we partake of the bread and the cup, we are thankful, we remember the work that Christ did for us in going to the cross of Calvary, dying for our sins. Because everything that we have and everything that we are as Christians is centered on Jesus Christ and Him crucified and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Paul, in the beginning of this letter, said, I came determined not to preach anything among you except Jesus Christ and Him crucified. And the fact that after his death on Calvary's cross for you and for me, he was put into that grave, that tomb, and he rose again after three days, validating what he did for you and me on Calvary's cross. And on that night that he was betrayed, there in that upper room in Jerusalem, he was eating of the Passover meal with his disciples. And we read in the Gospels that hours before his arrest, there in the Garden of Gethsemane, that he instructed Peter and John to go and prepare the Passover meal. And the Passover feast, as we know, was a yearly event in Jerusalem which commemorated the delivery of God's people from Egypt. We read about that in the book of Exodus. And, of course, the feast of Passover being fulfilled in the death of Jesus Christ, our Passover lamb. We saw that Paul mentioned that in 1 Corinthians chapter 5. You recall that he wrote that Christ, our Passover, was sacrificed for us. So Jesus in that upper room. He institutes what we call the Lord's Supper with his disciples. He says, do this in remembrance of me. Interesting, he did not say in remembrance of me, have a party, have a parade, make a monument, but rather come to the table. Come to the table and take of the bread. This is my body broken for you. And in the taking of the bread, we remember the sufferings that the Lord went through for us, for you, for me. His body broken. Now, none of his bones were broken, as we know from scriptures, but he went through that scourging from the Romans. He went through the beatings that he took, that the religious council 
as he stood before them, they would beat him. And same with the Romans. We know that they put a crown of thorns around his head and beat it on his, his scalp as we see that his body was broken in that way for you and for me personally. You see, the Passover meal included the unleavened bread made without yeast. And we've talked about this before because yeast, that leaven in the scripture is a picture of sin and corruption. And yeast would be, of course, put into the bread and it would then work as it would spread throughout that loaf, expand. And in their haste to leave Egypt, back in the book of Exodus, the Israelites, they had no time to put that yeast in their bread for it to rise. So after Passover, God said, you're going to celebrate the Feast of Unleavened Bread. And that unleavened bread would be used at the Passover meal. And that bread would have kind of the scratch marks. The, the stripes, the holes from baking that would almost look like pierce marks, reminding us of the same way that Jesus, his body was broken for us. You see, Jesus, he was without sin. He w- was the perfect lamb of God. Just as the bread had no leaven, leaven being that picture of sin. And of course, Paul in 1 Corinthians chapter 5, he says, don't you know that a little bit of leaven leavens the whole lump? He's talking about sin that was in the church. Therefore, purge out the leaven. Jesus is the only one that ever lived that lived a perfect life. And his body bore the stripes of that, that whip that came across his back, even though Pilate found no fault in him. Pilate stood there before the crowd and he said, what has he done? I find no fault in him is what Pilate would declare. But yet they would put that cat of nine tails on his back and it would be very brutal. It would be very painful. Many die, men would die under the, the scourging that the Romans would put you through. And of course, many of us, that perhaps if we saw the Passion of the Christ, that movie, and I think that in that part where they showed Jesus you know, being scourged, that that was very, very accurate that Roman whip called the cat of nine tails and little pieces of leather that would come out and on the end of the pieces of leather they would have a piece of metal, very sharp and of course it would do a lot of damage to your body as it would be put on your back, laid across your back and then they probably flipped them over on the front side and they also whipped them on that side as well. It would be extremely, extremely painful. And of course, we know that Isaiah's prophecy says that Jesus was marred more than any other man. That they even pulled out the beard. He received the beating from the Sanhedrin council and then also from the Romans as well. They put that crown of thorns around his head. They're about three or four inches long and they're just sharp as razors. And thorns hurt, don't they? I was working in the garden and and trimming a few roses the other day and one of those thorns got me on the finger and it hurt. It's amazing how a thorn does that. But can you imagine this crown of thorns that they weaved and they would put it on his head and pound it on his head. It would completely lacerate his scalp. So that's what Jesus went through for you and for me. That type of suffering that we can't fully understand. His body broken for you, as Paul writes. His cup and the new covenant in my blood. My blood shed for the forgiveness of sin. And when we take of that cup, we're called to remember the blood of Jesus in the new covenant. The Passover meal would feature several cups of wine, each having a different title. And the cup that Jesus referred to was known as the cup of redemption. It was a reminder to the Jews their redemption 
from slavery in Egypt. And as we remember his blood shed for our sins, we are reminded of the redemption of our slavery from sin in the world. Jesus said, do this in remembrance of me. Paul is saying, don't take this lightly. Don't neglect the Lord's table. It was Jesus' last commandment given to his disciples before he went and died for you and for me. And the reason that he died for you and for me is because of his love for us. He gives this commandment, do this in remembrance of me. Take of the bread representing the broken body of Jesus, the cup which represents his blood shed for our sins. And I'm instituting, he says, a new covenant with man on the basis of my sacrifice. So Jesus making this announcement that I've brought you a new covenant, as the prophet Jeremiah would write in Jeremiah chapter 31 concerning the new covenant, for I will forgive their iniquity and their sin. I will remember no more, and I will put my law on their minds and write it on their hearts. And I shall be their God, and they shall be my people. Because of what Jesus Christ did on Calvary's cross for us. We have a new covenant relationship with God through Jesus Christ. The Lord suffered then speaking of the communion that we have with our Lord, of oneness with him. As I eat of his body, as I drink of his blood, I am not only becoming one with my Lord, but also with my brothers and sisters in Christ. Because we're eating of that same bread, taking in of the same cup in unity. So the Corinthian believers were divided. Now, communion has a threefold aspect. Just as we will see in a couple weeks when we get to 1 Corinthians chapter 13, we know that the three great virtues are this, faith, hope, and love, right? So the Lord's table, there is first of all faith. As I look back at the cross, do this in remembrance of him, in honor of him. Yes, Lord, I remember that you died for me, that your body was broken there on Calvary, that your blood was shed, and in faith I come to the table. And I remember how I have forgiveness. And I understand that you love me. And I have the hope of heaven. And I am free from the world and free from the sin. No matter what the enemy may accuse me of, I am forgiven because of the blood of Jesus Christ, because of your death on Calvary's cross. And so I can look back to the cross, not only in faith looking back, but also Paul says, for as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death till it comes. So communion also looks ahead, doesn't it? It looks ahead. Oh Lord, I know that time is coming. When we will sit together, I look forward to that time when we all will be at the marriage feast of the Lamb, the marriage supper of the Lamb. And in doing so, I'm coming to your table I am anticipating, I am declaring, I'm expecting your coming. I can't wait for that day. When we're just all together with the Lord, eating with the Lord. So it, it looks back in faith, it looks ahead in hope, and then it looks presently to his love. Because Jesus went to the cross for you and for me. Because of his love for us. And as we recognize his love and going to Calvary's cross and what he has done, then we gather together, not only as a church body, but with other Christians in the community, around this nation, around the globe. We all come together because we recognize 
coming to the Lord's table that truly is where our unity is based on the cross of Calvary. You see, we may not sing all the same songs, we may not teach the same way, but what Christians do have in common is coming to the table of the Lord and affirming what Jesus Christ did and giving his life for us because of his love. And that's where our unity is found. And suddenly, we can truly have love for one another because he first loved us. And if Christians try to base their unity on theology or eschatology or numerology, good luck. We will never agree on everything. We'll never agree on everything, on end times, the work of the Spirit, on all points of doctrine. But I'll tell you where we will find unity. And that is when we come to the Lord's table at the foot of the cross. And that's why it's important that, that we understand that and why it is said by our Lord, do this in remembrance of me. The Lord wants us to come to the table. You see, the enemy wants to keep us from the table. The enemy wants to separate us from brothers and sisters. He wants there to be faction and divisions and quarreling that's going on. He doesn't want us to come to the table given reverence to what we are doing as we come to the Lord's table. So Paul is saying, this is important. You need to understand this and know that Jesus said, do this often in remembrance of me. He didn't say just teach on it or think about it or here's an option if you get to it. He said, do this. I remember when I first came to Greeley and we had that little place downtown that we started in. And I remember one of the pastors from one of the churches came in to talk to me and at the end of our discussion, you know, we were talking about different things. He was asking about the ministry of Calvary Chapel, but he said, you know, in our denomination, in our church, we're thinking about no longer doing communion because we don't need to do it to be, you know, in order for salvation or to be saved. And I thought, how sad. When the Lord gave that commandment that we are to do it and do it in remembrance of me is what he said. So that's why we do it here at Calvary Chapel monthly on Sundays and Wednesday nights. And so after Jesus establishes this incredible ordinance, Paul recognizing that the believers at Corinth were not giving worth to the Lord's table. So in verse 27, he makes very clear how seriously God himself regards the Lord's table as he writes, Therefore, whoever eats this bread or drinks this cup of the Lord in an unworthy manner will be guilty of the body and blood of the Lord. But let a man examine himself, and so let him eat of the bread and drink of the cup. So what's being said here? He's warning the saints here to treat the Lord's Supper with reverence. He's saying you're not taking this seriously. You're coming with an attitude of, of dividedness. Some of you are coming drunk. You're coming with a careless and unsensitive heart. And Paul says that you are to examine yourselves and make sure that you're coming with the right heart and right attitude. Paul says you're coming in an unworthy manner and you will be guilty of the body and the blood of the Lord. Now, what does that mean? Well, maybe a good way for me to explain it is like with the 4th of July and we like to, to have a flag waving, you know, hung up at our house as many as you do. And if somebody came along and took that flag down and began to trample on it, it's not just dishonoring a piece of cloth, but it really is dishonoring to our country, isn't it, that it represents. And to come unworthily to the Lord's table does not simply dishonor the ceremony, but it dishonors the Lord in whose honor it is celebrated. So we become guilty of dishonoring his body and blood, which represents what he did for you and for me and providing forgiveness and salvation for us. 
So the apostle is saying, take it seriously, examine yourselves, make sure that you're partaking in a worthy manner, verse 29, for he who eats and drinks in an unworthy manner eats and drinks judgment to himself, not discerning the Lord's body. For this reason, many are weak and sick among you, and many sleep. For if we would judge ourselves, we would not be judged. But when we are judged, we are chastened by the Lord, that we may not be condemned with the world. Very sobering, isn't it? So evidently, among the Christians, some, interesting, he says many, actually, were experiencing illness and weakness, and some had even died as a result of God's corrective discipline on the Corinthian church. And I don't think that Paul's referring here to eternal judgment, but to corrective judgment. God sends individuals chastening to push that individual back towards righteous behavior. And so the Corinthian saints had experience just weakness and sickness and, and even death. The thought is very powerful, isn't it? They were chastened, Paul said, so that they would not be condemned with the world. In 1 John chapter 5, verse 16, John the Apostle writes something very sobering as well. He says, there is sin leading to death. Apparently, I was reading the other day, again, the story in the book of Acts, of Ananias and Sapphira in Acts chapter 5. Uh, it seems to be those two examples of that as they lie to the Holy Spirit. So apparently, a, a believer can sin to the point where God believes that it's just best just to bring them home. Again, is a very sobering thought. Now, I don't want you to think that every time somebody dies or is sick, it's because God is disciplining them, chastening them, judging them. But remember that the Lord's motive for chastening his children is always because of his love. His love for them. Desire for them to come back to righteous behavior. He loves his children. And so I don't fully understand his corrective discipline, but we need to understand that God is sovereign, he is righteous, and he is holy, and he is to be revered. And coming to the Lord's table, we are to come with an attitude of understanding that this is important that come with reverence to the Lord's table. So here we see that he writes these very sobering verses. I don't fully understand the, the judgment and the correctiveness of the Lord, but I'm not the Lord. So I leave it where Paul writes this, and I don't try to take away from it. In verse 33, Therefore, my brethren, when you come together to eat, wait on for one another, but if anyone is hungry, let him eat at home, lest you come together for judgment, and the rest I will set in order when I come. This is how you should conduct yourselves when, when you gather for these agape feasts. Wait for one another. In other words, be considerate of others. Have good manners. You show concern and love for others. And as you do that, if anyone is hungry, let them you know, eat. And, and you don't come and just pick out at these potlucks to where you're not sharing and others are going hungry. If you're that hungry, then go eat at home. So Paul is saying, because of the needs and problems of others, do something to meet their needs, to minister to them, to be a blessing to others. You know, be respectful and have some reverence when you come to the Lord's table. Don't bring the judgment of God upon yourselves just for the sake of food. And then Paul closes by, with this, there are some other things I'd like to say, but they can wait until I see you. Don't gather to sin. May we here at Calvary Chapel 
May we always gather for the sake of pleasing the Lord to edify and encourage and to love one another. To be looking out not only for our own interests, but for the interests of others, as he would write in Philippians chapter 2. And also that we would understand and always remember what the Lord has done for you and for me as he went to Calvary's cross when we come to the communion table. And we can do that often, even daily, giving thanks, Lord. I remember what you have done in sending your son to die for me. You know, one of the things that I had the kids when I was teaching them at Vacation Bible School, I wanted them to always remember that Jesus loves you. And the Bible verse that God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. The love of God is so incredible. And may we never lose just the awe and, and the gratitude that what Jesus has done for us and when we come to the Lord's table, when we partake of that here at Calvary on the first Sundays and Wednesdays of the month. And just always be thankful for His grace and His working in our lives. Thank you for joining us on Under the Fig Tree. If you would like a copy of today's study, please call us and ask for the message with today's date. Our phone number is 970-330-1717. That number again 970-330-1717. If you prefer, you can write us at 2602 West 27th Street, Greeley, Colorado, 80634. You can also visit us online at ccgreeley.com. Under the Fig Tree is brought to you by Calvary Chapel of Greeley. We invite you to join with us for our Sunday morning services at 8.30 and 10.30 a.m. and our Wednesday evening service at 7 p.m. Please join with us next time as we continue to study the Bible together on Under the Fig Tree.